Hello and you're very welcome to the IFF TV podcast. Now today's guest is a very special one from Public of Ireland International and Ipswich Town player, Alan George. Alan kindly took the time out of his day to come and chat to us all about his career from his early days kicking balls around and being a mascot at the FAI Cup final with his father all the way up into making his Ireland debut, scoring for Ireland and many more memories. Make sure to check it out, don't forget to like, don't forget to subscribe and don't forget to share if you enjoy. Let's get things started. Alan, firstly, thanks for taking the time out to come and have a chat with me. No problem, thanks for having me on. No bother at all. Well, listen, we, um, we have had a couple of internationals on and we've been talking about their career. Kind of, I, I should have started this series, The Man Behind the Player, because uh, it's a very insightful kind of look at um, uh, the players as they're coming through and kind of becoming them, the, the player and the man that, that they do become. So if you want to talk me through your, your early career, um, when you start getting into football, the really, really early days um, of Alan Judge's football career. Um, obviously, you know, my dad used to play football anyway. Obviously, he played for uh, Bray, Bray Wonders. You know, he was the first captain to lift the FAI Cup in uh, Lansdowne Road. Lucky enough, I, I was a mascot on that day. I was I was two years of age. Obviously, I wouldn't remember much of it, but see photos from behind uh, from, from back then. Um, obviously, he played for he He went over to England himself. He played for Fulham. He came back for whatever reasons. He came back. And he had a good career, I suppose, in the Aircom League. And I think it just kind of runs through the family, really. His his side of his family were always into football. And whatever I've been told, I've been mad about football since I was, you know, three, four years of age. To be fair, look, my son, my son at the minute is absolutely nuts about football. And that's not true anybody driving, it's true. He just loves playing. Yeah, it's funny. I, I just see him running around the Ireland kits and the Ipswich kits and all. It's great to see. Yeah, he has every kit going. We recently just got him a, a Real Madrid kit. He hasn't taken it off for four or five days. He has his name on the back and his age and everything. He, yeah, he's he's mad about it. Yeah, well, that's a good age to get them started. Well, with you, uh, like, starting off, what was your, your earliest football memory? Was it that being the mascot or was it a moment on the TV or a live game or anything like that? I think it was... I don't know, there'd be so many... Um, you know, I, I started playing underage football. Obviously, I was a bit, you know, you could play when you were under sevens, this, that and the other. So, I used to love watching Ryan Giggs play at the time. I used to always remember when my first proper memory was him wearing his Reebok boots. I know I, I would have been a bit older then, but yeah. Um, just those sort of things, watching highlights of players and stuff like that. And, you know, it was brilliant. So, would you have kind of mirrored your game off Ryan Giggs and watching him and trying to kind of emulate him? Um. Probably, yeah, when I was a lot younger, yeah. But the older I got, it was more post goals. I really loved uh, post goals as my type of player because I kind of felt I was, I wouldn't say similar, I wouldn't compare myself ever to him. But, you know, um, I would like to play the game the way he did. And I was also brutal at tackling, so. <laughs> well, um, just re- in regards to your, your, your schoolboy career then, do you want to talk me through your kind of schoolboy career right up until your teenage years and who yeah, you're playing well, with and so on? I was... Playing with uh, St. Joseph boys, I was there ever since I was seven. Went all the way through the age groups. Um, and I was with them until I, I left to go to England, really. So uh, that's where I kind of, you know, I broke in, you know, in the Dublin teams and then I broke into the Irish underage team. So I'm, a lot, I'm very thankful for, uh, you know, being playing at Joey's and uh, 
I know my some people myself my dad was my manager for most of most of my time I was there. I think from under twelves up to I nearly went. So, you know, you have to deal with a few things on that side as well from players. But it was usually a bit of banter, you know. Yeah, well, I've had a couple of players on talking about you know it can be difficult. You're 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 the man when you're winning, but when you're losing, it's all your fault. Yeah, yeah. Like you lose a game because he's only playing sure because of his dad and all that. that. That's kids at that age, you know. But then if you're playing well and you're scoring goals, nothing really gets said to you. It's like it's kind of expected sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Well, kind of. Actually, Stephen B. He sent in a, a message last night. Uh, the former Cork City player, uh, well, he's most known at Cork City. Um, but he said that your dad. Uh, do you remember your dad tried to sign him for Joey's by offering a pair of uh, Predators? He must have valued him a lot more than me because he only ever had me in a pair of high techs. So uh, I wouldn't <laughs> mind a pair of predators. Yeah, well, he, he's actually playing over in America at the moment with uh, with Eamon Zaid. Um, I, I used to watch Eamon. Uh, Eamon played with my cousin uh, in the under 17s and 18s of Joey's. I used to watch him, Eamon. I remember Eamon quite fondly because I used to stay down on the Sundays and watch the, watch the under 18s play. Uh, he was quite good. He scored a lot of goals. Yeah, well, they're teammates over in America at the moment. I, I, oh, okay. I, can't, I can't pronounce the name of the team. It's Chat Wong yeah. or something like that. But uh, two of them are over there playing away there. But well, he thought he would throw that in. Um, he was meant to send me a video of it, actually, but he mustn't have got around to it. He said he was just yeah. finishing the job. But um, So talk to me then kind of about when you started getting noticed and when you were kind of getting noticed at Scouts, uh, by Scouts. Um, as in English Scouts going abroad, it would have been. I was very late. I was late compared to all of them. I didn't go on my first trial until I was 14. So uh, I had boys, I think, going over when they were 12, 13. I was late and I was always thinking, when's it going to happen? Obviously, because, sad to say, the, the size thing was always on the on the mind of scouts, this, that and the other, because any feedback we ever got back from scouts, it wasn't that I wasn't good enough. It was just the height issue. So, and it was at the time, at the time a lot of people played more direct football. I know it was only underage football. You know, so they were more into the bigger physical side of the side of the players, and so yeah, I would say under fourteens, fifteens when I broke into the Irish, under sixteens is when I got my chance really, and I got I went over to Liverpool, Sheffield, uh, Blackburn, and then there was a few other clubs I was supposed to go to. Okay, and you ended up signing for Blackburn. Was there any reason why um, you chose them over the clubs that you mentioned there? Um, it was just the way. The whole setup was, you know, the security of it. Uh, you know, we had they had the place called the lodge where you had tw- twenty four lads living on the campus. You're in the mid. Some people take it this way. You're in the middle of nowhere. There's no um, there's nothing to get really distracted about. You know, you had to have a car to drive to even get to the nearest shop. So, I think it was the security of it, and I just felt at home when I was there. There was other Irish players there. Damien Duff was there. Jonathan Douglas was there. You know, Eddie Nolan was there, Keith Tracy was there, so had a good Irish contingent as well. And you know, I think it was just more feeling at home there. Yeah, well, obviously, uh, you know, it's a huge club. You know, they obviously won the the league in '95, and you spoke about you know Damien Duff and stuff coming through there. That must, as you said, that having that kind of home feeling was that good for kind of getting you going. You know, because a lot of players get homesick, you know, being away and they're in their digs and they're they're very lonely. But the fact that you had and the big characters that you mentioned there. Yeah, the thing is, um, I didn't really call, come across Damien uh, too too much. Obviously, I know Damien lives like is from near the same area as me, so 
I know his brother very well. Jamie actually went on trial with me too, Blackburn. Jamie, his younger brother. But obviously, I played with Eddie in the international uh, underages and Keith played against him quite regularly. So that was probably the easiest thing of it all. Yeah, well, talk me through kind of your early days of Blackburn and then getting in and, and make it, making your professional debut. Um, sure, that was again, a fair moment. Yeah, it was. Again, uh, I was probably, um, you know, Keith and Eddie made their debuts very early. I think they were 17. Eddie played in UEFA Cup. Uh, Keith, Keith played in the Prem, all those kind of things. So I, I was a bit late later on. I was like 18. Uh, Mark Hughes' last year. And, um, you know, I played a good team the then, though. Yeah, yeah, he had unbelievable players coming through there. You had like so Rocky Santa Cruz, you had Benny McCarthy, you had two guys, probably the best player I've I've ever trained with, let alone be around the same pitch with. And not many people will, would know that because he was a lot older when he came to the Premier League to Blackburn. Um, yeah, and you had more uh, Gams Pedersen. You had load. You had big name players, Craig Bellamy. So. You know, it was hard to break through, but I was, I was, you know, it was a privilege to train with them every day. You know, I got to train with them for nearly every day for over a year. And the last game of the season, I got drafted, drafted into the squad under Mark Hughes. You know, I didn't make the bench, but that was my first time of travelling. So then I kind of started to kick on. Mark left, Paul Ince came in, and the minute Paul came in, he really took to me. And, you know, I got my debut under Paul, Paul Ince, and um, we ever, you know, Forever grateful to him, you know. I think it was like it was against Grimsby in the League Cup, but you know, it's something I'd worked to all my life, and to get you know to get that, those few minutes on the pitch, it was great. Yeah, you know, you you spoke about two guy there. You're not the first person I've heard say that about him. Uh, people have trained with him, played with him, do say how good he is, and he was fond of an old Thunderbolt as well. He's honestly, I used to um, be do. You know, training, you'd stay behind, stay behind watch training. They do games, even 11 side games and training if you weren't involved. And then even even in proper matches, he would very rarely leave the, the centre circle, but he would always manage to have five, ten yards of space. And his, you know, his passing range was ridiculous. And as you said, I always remember the goal he scored against Tottenham. The volley that came out to him and it just oh, flew into the top corner. Yeah, uh, some of the some of the goals he, he could have his own uh, goal of the season contenders. Um, but you spoke there about Mark Hughes and Paul Ince and stuff like that. Well, it must have been nice knowing. Obviously, you, you're playing and, and training with the likes of Santa Cruz and st- these types of guys, Craig Bellamy, um, who were all flying at the time at Blackburn. I remember Santa Cruz had a brilliant season, and, and Bellamy was great under Mark Hughes as well. But just having those kind of lads training, big big characters managing you, you must have felt. You know, great that you were kind of in and around these surroundings with these people. Yeah, because they had they had standards. They were players that you know they liked things right, and if they didn't, if they weren't doing right, they'd let you know. So like we had the captain at the time, Roy Nelson, probably one of the most professional people I've ever been around. You had Andy Todd. You know, he definitely lets you know if he doesn't if things aren't if if you're not doing things right. And then you had Brad Friedel as well. So was know, Chris Samba there as well? Uh, Chris, Chrissy came in under. Um, yeah, Chris was there. Chris was honestly, he's he's one of the biggest kids I've ever met. <laughs> he's brilliant, um, great defender. So they were all there and just, you know, you just just to see what you know, first team players put into where they got to. You know, Craig Bellamy was probably one of the most. I would watch him as well. He was he was so driven at what he wanted to do that nothing really got in his way. 
Did you foresee him becoming a coach? Uh, to be honest, as I said, um, I only really got to train. I didn't really get to really know uh, okay. Craig that much, but I was just watching him. But um, at that time, I probably wouldn't have taken in. You would probably look at the likes of Ryan Nelson, uh, you know, thinking that they'd want to be coaches, Brad Friedel, etc. Just the way they talked. And um, I think I came from the era, the era of uh, you only spoke when you were spoken to kind of thing. First teamer said, jump and you say, how high? But I think maybe it's a, it's gone a little bit away from that at the minute where it's good. A lot of younger lads have a bit of, I wouldn't say more confidence or arrogance, but like they're not afraid to show it a bit more, which is a good thing. Yeah, able to express themselves a bit more. Yeah, as long as it's within, you know, you know, in, in, a, in a confident way, I would say. Yeah, well, Shane Duffy uh, was on with me the other day and he spoke about the same thing and he goes... You know, at Everton, I was a bit kind of maybe overwhelmed, he said, but I was taking it all in. You know, I wasn't really saying much, but I was taking it all in around me because he, he does say when you're kind of up there as a young lad, he was 17, you were 18. Um, when you're up there as a young lad training with these lads, you probably would have seen on the telly and stuff like that. And, you know, when you move from the U team up to the to the first team, the standard is, is, is unbelievable. And you said what they put into themselves for training even each day, is uncanny. Yeah. Well, I can only go off what people tell me. That's the thing. You wanted to be like a, you know, like a sponge. You just wanted to soak in any any bit of information that was getting, you know, that was getting brought to you. And like we had Robbie Savage there as well. Robbie Savage was one of the biggest characters, you know. But he was the best at bringing out a bit of character in a young lad because he would be, he wouldn't be at you in a bad way. Like he would banter you, but he would bring it out. So like. You had to kind of come back with something at him and, you know, so I always remember him as well because he'd done it in a good way. Yeah, well, you need those type of characters to create that buzz around the dressing room. Otherwise, you're just kind of going in. As you say, it does feel like work was obviously with football. You want that to feel like fun as well. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> well, talk me kind of true because you went on a couple of loans then uh, throughout your Blackburn career. Did, you know, after the League Cup, kind of talk me through after the debut and kind of making your loan moves to uh, Plymouth. Were you at Plymouth when uh, Connor Harrowham was there? I was. Connor Connor was a, I think Connor could have been a year or two after, maybe even three after me. So oh. I went to Plymouth quite young. Paul Gallagher was there on loan at the time from Blackburn. And, Stryker, uh, yeah. Yeah, so I was talking to Gally this, that and the other, and I said, yeah, I may be looking to get out on loan because I got a, I got a taste of a bit of action and I knew that was probably the next step and what I needed to do. And lucky enough, Gally, Gally put a word in for to the manager, Paul Sturrock. Um, literally, it was two days later, he rang up saying he wanted to take me alone. He must have seen a few bits, this, that and the other. And lucky enough, I went straight into the into a championship team because usually you could go down to League Two, even conference teams on your first loan. Didn't he get a move off the back of the, uh, that job? It was a Blackburn or some Premier League team to Hampton? Who, uh, no, he, he was at Southampton before that. Oh, sorry, Paul Sturrock, yeah. Because yeah. he, yeah, yeah. he came up with a very good reputation. He was a, you know, established manager at the time. Yeah, he was very good to me, you know. Again, he got me playing regularly, regular football, easy to talk to, and just overall a nice man. Yeah, well, you you obviously had, you had two spells there. So did he bring you back again, or was he, was he gone from manager? Yeah. Or was he still there? Yeah, I went from January to the... So the first one was January to the summer. Had a great six months. We survived. I was on top of the world, you know. I was playing well. Everything scored a few goals. And then I went back again for the second year. And to be fair, 
Um, Paul was still the manager. It didn't it didn't go the way we wanted it to go. Uh, we ended up getting relegated. Uh, Paul Mariner came in as manager at the time, but me at my stage it was just me probably, you know, by the other end of it then not going so well. I wasn't. I was twenty twenty one. Probably stopped looking after myself like I should have, and I paid the price for it. Where I ended up having to go and play in League One after that. Yeah, well, I, I, to be fair, I think a lot of people do that, but people forget that, you know, and I think you, you'll probably agree with me this way, footballers are humans and, and you can sometimes, that can happen, you know, where you you make the wrong decision and, and it can cost you, but you, it's how you bounce back from that, I suppose, is, yeah. is how you show your true character. Yeah, look, I didn't do anything silly. I probably just relaxed off in my training programme, what I would used to do, this, that and the other, and, you know... These are you're a young lad. You have to be allowed. Uh, make uh, you have to be able to make these mistakes to come back. And then from then on, I could start getting back into what I used to do, and if not, got better. Yeah, well, you you went to uh, North County then on loan after that, and um, talk me through that. And you signed then permanently with them. Uh, after. Yeah. So if you well, want to talk through, uh, I suppose signing on loan and kind of the rest, then as you say, will be history. Well, when I went back. I can't remember when I went. I went back to um, I went back to uh, what? Well, sorry, I went back to Blackburn, and I can't remember when it happened. But Paulins lost his job. Big Sam, Sam Allardyce came in. So it was funny though. Sam came in. I came back from Plymouth, and he put me straight in into a squad. He put me on the bench out of nowhere. Because if I remember correctly, there was it was a funny thing actually. We played a behind closed doors game for the players that hadn't been playing. So I came back. I played, and we played against Wolves. Uh, but I remember correctly, Mick was there, Mick McCarthy was there, and I did really well in it. And then Mick came up to me after me, and obviously I just got spoken to Mick. And the next thing, next thing I knew, I had a call, phone call from my agent three days later saying um, Mick's interested in signing you. I'll have to actually say that was what Paul Ince was in charge. Actually, sorry, because it was actually before I went to North County. So I always found that weird. So me and me and Mick have always managed to cross paths one way or the other because he tried to sign me two or three times. So, but get, getting back to, um, yeah, I went back to Blackburn. Big Sam put me in. I didn't play. I didn't get. I didn't get on the pitch under Sam, but I played in the League Cup under him. But I didn't play in the Premier League. But I was on the bench for like three or four Premier League games, thinking I could be in here. You know, I could be getting a chance. So anyway, went on. We got to the summer. I, he came to me and said I wasn't going to be part of his plans. Fair enough. I I was grateful that he he told me that. I learned a lot. And I went on to Notts County and, you know, I ended up having a great time in Notts County. So talk me through that, like kind of how you did that season and then why you signed for the permit. So I went there and I went there to start and um, it's just, again, uh, when I went there, Craig Short was the manager who was, who was used to be at Blackburn actually, so Short, he knew me from then. So I went and played on the show, I was enjoying it real, I was loving it. And then, um, sadly, Shorty lost his job at that time at, at Notts County. It was a, it was a manager coming in every four or five months. So Paul Lynch came back in again, which I knew, I knew um, from my first time at Blackburn. So I, I knew, I knew what I could do, and he knew what I could do, and I was, I was enjoying it. Sadly, I broke my foot under Paul, and by the time I came back, Paul had lost his job as well, and then another manager came in. So. Key Curl actually came in at that time. I think Key Curl got the best out of me um, under my time there at Notts County. He put me in a number 10 position. That was just 
I kicked on massively from there. Did you find that frustrating, uh, you know, when you get a manager, say, like Paul Ince, who knows how to play their strengths? Um, I know you say Keith Carroll got the best out of it and something like that, but at that time, were you thinking, oh, no, you know, the manager who I who I really like working with is gone now, you know, this could go sour with the new manager, depending on kind of what way he goes. Like, I don't think people really realise when a new manager comes in, it can be make or break for people. And obviously for you, it was um, make. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. Though. People are they're judged on results. And at the time for Paul, I think we hadn't won in nine, nine games or something like that. And then the owners, which they did on North County at the time, pulled the trigger very early. Um, so, yeah, you do. But that's like that for every player. You don't know when a new manager comes in, the uncertainty of it. And as I said, it's always a clean slate for for most players because most players wouldn't have played under the new manager that comes in. Yeah, when you were playing your best football at, at North County and then Blackburn came back in for you. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I had uh, I had a few clubs come in, th- in for me, but uh, the minute Gary Bowie rang me, he was my old youth team manager, I took the job at Blackburn. There was only one place I was going. I actually, to be fair, I went down to I went down to Ipswich. I went down to Ipswich. I met Mick. I was down there. Everything was more or less agreed, but uh, my wife was Emma was heavily pregnant at the time and we were trying to agree my contract but the owner at the time was away on holiday and I Blackburn came in for me they they wanted to get the deal done straight away my wife was due in the next week so I wanted to be try to get settled somewhere get things sorted and just the lure of going back to my old club where I didn't get to play as much football first team football as I wanted because obviously they were in the Premier League we had big stars everything like that so you know, just that draw of going back to my old club, really. Well, you probably felt like you had unfinished business there. That That's exactly what it was. You know, it felt like home and I went back and, um, yeah, some people say it might have been the wrong decision, but you never know until you try it, really. Yeah, 100%. And uh, Shane Duffy would have been there when, because Gary Bowyer brought him in. Was he there when you yeah, were there? Yeah, but no, see, I, was, I only ended up lasting there six months because there was things that went on that, you know, false prom not false promises, false things that had gone on. I went back in there. Uh, what was it? What would I say it was? Um, you know, the Venkies had taken over. They were given, you know, they supposed to be giving out massive contracts to players. Fair, fair enough. And they were cutting the budget at the time. So you had players the likes of me, Chris Taylor, who would come from I think it was Oldham at the time. You had Alex Marrow, who'd come from I can't someone else in the other league. So we were, we were on the new budget, if you know what I mean, which is fair enough. So yeah. I came in, I played the first five, six games, played really well, um, got man and match in a few rooms. As I, we had a bit of an indifferent start. And then uh, my daughter was born, we had Emily, uh, we had her on the Thursday night. I didn't play on the Saturday, which I totally understood about, because I was completely wrecked because of the way everything went at the time. So uh, then I spoke to the manager, manager told me himself, he said, you'll be back in the next week or two. And it was 12 weeks later, I still had me back in the team. And I spoke to the manager and he, I asked him why. And he couldn't give me a reason why. And that's when the alarm bells rang in my head. And I was just like, well, I'm not. And this isn't like me thinking I should be playing football's a short career. Wherever I go, I want to play. You know what I mean? I'd, I don't want to sit there and be happy just sitting on the bench. You're, <laughs> your football career, you want to play as much as you can. So that was in my mind. So we initially did a loan move then that. At Christmas time, just after Christmas time, to uh, Brentford. 
Yeah, well, um, I'm sure you must have had real kind of mixed emotions at that time because obviously you're you're on the high of having you know your your daughter, and then you're, yeah. you're thinking, oh, yeah, I'm gonna get back in. Football's gonna be great. My life is great. I want to keep you know that high, but obviously things didn't work out in that sense for you, which is unfortunate. But at Brentford, I suppose you got things back on track. So t- talk to me about getting the the loan move there, and then we'll kind of go from the loan move. To talk about yeah. making your Ireland debut, getting in there, and then we'll come back to Brentford and kind of go through your um, your time there. Oh, the the one thing I would say about Blackburn, I'd never never regret going back there. Uh, I never regretted it, and I still don't regret going back there because of what ended up, you know, probably having the best five years of my career at Brentford. You know that that we're going to talk about. Um, you know, always grateful. Things sometimes they just don't work out, so I'm not really. I wouldn't say spoilful because it didn't work out with Blackburn I gave it a go there's a lot of great people there people I still still talk to and you know I wish them all the best because Blackburn were a major part of my uh, you know my development well I think as well you know it's a, a fair few of the Irish lads I suppose from talking to them John Egan you know went to Sheffield United didn't didn't really end well went back there now look at them um, so there is players who kind of come and go back to clubs and, you know, it might not have worked out the first yeah. time, second time around, but you never know, as you said already, till you go back and try it. So there's no harm, like, in life, if you feel like you've unfinished business, there's no harm trying to jump back in, in the ring, yeah, and say, want, and, uh, and give it a go. You want to test yourself as well. That's the thing. You don't want to just take an easy option sometimes. You want to test yourself. And, you know, that was about testing myself, thinking I can go back here and, you know, finish what, Finish what I didn't finish first time around, but as again, it didn't work out that way. And then I moved to Brentford, and that move was a a godsend. Really, it it got me got me playing to my maximum, if anything that place did. So yeah, it was brilliant. Who who was managing at the time, Alan? Uh, Mark Warburton. Uh, Mark Mark tried to sign me a few times for Brentford when he was sporting director under Uwe Rosler. It just never, it never happened at the time. I was watching Brentford. I was watching the football they were playing, the formation, everything suited. Um, I spoke to the sporting director there, Frank McParlin, and from the minute I spoke to him, it was literally, I would just want to get down there and play football. Yeah, and uh, and that's what you did. So what was um, you know, you spoke about how, you know, your football career. Did you did your family move down to Brentford from Blackburn? Yeah. yeah. Uh, they had everybody the, together, like. Yeah, did straight away. They got they got me an apartment. I moved my daughter. It was she was in six months old at the time. Six, yeah, six months old. And then me and Emma, we still had we still had a few things up in Blackburn because it was only initially a loan move. Yeah. So we went down there perfect. And the middle, the minute we went there, settled in. Before I even got there, I spoke to Jonathan Douglas. Dougie was there. Alan McCormick was there. So I spoke to them, I spoke to, spoke to Dougie mostly because I knew him of playing against him and just obviously from Blackburn. And, you know, I couldn't have asked for any more. Anything I needed or whatever, he was there. He was he was, he was was helping. He was, you know, as was the club. Their, their uh, personal liaison, Peter, Peter Gillen, who's a massive Brentford fan. He has been for, I think, like 50 years. I couldn't have asked any more from any of them. Well, I think, I think that goes... To show like there is so much that goes into a move that you know people from the outside don't obviously see people are moving their families they're moving homes there there's a lot that just it's not just oh yeah they're 
they're in the squad and they go and play football. There's so much like as you say, it's it's your life. It's not just yeah. you know oh, bring your boots and, and play a match. It's you're bringing baggage your whole life <laughs> around with you or wherever you move to. Um, so the fact that anyway you 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 were able to get settled was obviously key. Yeah, I think the majority of people under uh, the majority of fans understand it's not just literally pick up your boots and go, especially when you have a family. You know, it's you. You have to think things through, and you have to have your other half willing to do things, and yeah, you know, all those kind of things come into play. But uh, yeah, but my wife always knew the chance of me playing first team football, playing regular football. She didn't even think twice of saying no. She just goes, "Yeah, let's go then." That was it. Yeah, well, I think as well because some some people. Uh, in the Premier League, I know I've heard of a few stories where you know people's wives just weren't willing to move from London to say Liverpool or something, and that hampers deals for players as well. But it's it's nice that Emma has always kind of backed you and, and always yeah. kind of gone with what you what you wanted to do. Yeah, I'm always, I'm always a bit wary when I read those uh, kind of stories because people don't know the full truths of things. Um, you know, it's easy sometimes for a new a newspaper just to say, "Yeah, this player didn't want to move because his wife didn't want to move." So it's sometimes I would find that it would be more often not true. Okay, well, you'd know better than me, so <laughs> at least we know that now for future reference. But um, <laughs> talk me, talk me through the um, I suppose because you went to to Brentford and then you signed permanently with Brentford. So what was you know you you obviously had a great time on the loan move and then you wanted to sign with them with the club you know really pushing to get that deal done yeah I was I was pushing for it to get done really I just you know from minute one you know I said Blackburn was my home when I was younger but there the bunch of lads that we had the team that we had it was just a great setup it was a great environment to be around and um, we enjoyed our time down there for those six months and it was uh, like we tried to get that deal done as soon as the season finished, really, because we got promoted to the championship. I knew I was probably going to play every week. I had a manager who trusted me and played me in my right, you know, played me all the time. So, yeah, everything just seemed to click into place. Well, kind of, you were saying obviously things were kind of starting to click into place. Sorry, um, you then made your Ireland debut. What was it like getting called up? Um, I suppose just the whole, the whole setup. What was it like? The the call up, the debut. You know, talk me through from your own perspective. Um, because it's funny because I I didn't believe until I got there. You know what I mean? I didn't believe until I got into the squad. Until I was there physically in front of the players and like in front of Robbie Keane, in front of. Everybody, Shay Given, everybody, you know what I mean? These are players that have played in World Cups and Euros and stuff like that. So it's just, it was another, I always saw it as another opportunity to uh, to learn and to kind of get any little bit of information I could get, you know, and take it on board. Yeah, well, Martin and Roy would have been managing them. What were they like with you? Did, they, did either of them call you up or anything? Like, as in physically? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Martin was in constant contact with me, especially when I broke my leg. He was in contact with me. There was actually, 
just a quick one on Roy. Um, not many people know this, but like uh, I know because obviously a few things come out about Roy and stuff. When I broke my leg, Roy was probably one of the first people to be in contact with in contact with me. So anyway, a few weeks down the line, Ireland were playing Holland. If you remember at the at the Aviva, and uh, I was still recovering from my leg, and I had a he rang me up and he invited me into his family box at uh, the Aviva. So obviously I had the invite. I went over with my family, this, that, and the other, and. This is obviously after I made my debut and, you know, I was forever grateful for that because technically I, I was in the squad, but I wasn't really in and around it at the time. I wasn't a squad member, really. And, like, they invited me down to the change room after the game, this, that and the other. And so it was great. You know, they made me feel part of it, both of them. And, you know, Roy initiated that first way, get me over and invite me to sit in his box and watch the game, bring my family with me. Well, I think that is the thing with Roy is that, you know, a, a lot, uh, you know, the bad stuff is always very well publicised. But any of the good stuff he does is kind of hidden away. Like, obviously, you don't go around shouting that from the rooftops. But, you know, he is, there is moments where he could be very classy like that, you know. I've heard other yeah, and, stories too. And, yeah, there, there is other stories. And, obviously, some people, there is things that have happened. But, you know, they're, they're, that's not my, uh, it's not my place to say anything on those kind of things. You yeah. know what I mean? So, um, he's, he's playing under Martin and Roy. They're, they're demanding they want high standards so I enjoy it and I'll ever I'll always be grateful to them I got my debut under Martin yeah well I'd say you, you thrived off it as well because I, you know you spoke about growing up and watching World Cups I'd say you would have grown up watching Roy Keane you know he'd been playing in, in 94 uh, to te- well obviously not 2002 but he was he got us to 2002 pretty much yeah you know watching Roy and then you know have him come up to me in training you know, giving me advice, this, that, and the other. And then watching Robbie Keane in training, that was just, his movement is ridiculous. I couldn't believe, like, the things that he used to do in training, his movement just to get away from people, I was just like, that's ridiculous. Yeah, um, people always come on about him. In my opinion, him or Roy would probably be the two best I've ever seen. Um, at my age, I mean, if we go back to the 80s, 90s, I'm sure there's players that are up there as well. Yeah. But... Um, did did you uh, did you speak much with Wes Hulahan because you know people were yeah. kind of always comparing you? Yes, uh, Wes always always spoke to Wes because always people always saw us that we were quite similar, and I would probably say that Wes is the best player I've played against, without doubt. It's just I played against him when he was at Norwich and just watched him. Obviously, we were both number tens, but I would say we were different number tens, as in. I would run him behind a lot more than him. I would probably stretch the play a little bit and this, that and the other. He would be always on the ball, dropping deep, doing little one-twos, this, that and the other. And just and he always kept he kept him in, himself in fantastic shape as well. You know, um, there was always that comparison and there always is going to be that comparison because of the type of players that we were. But yeah, I would always say Wes has probably been the best player I've, I've played against because I played against him a few times and just to, every time I played against him, he was always he was always brilliant. Well, that's a serious compliment for him. But as we're kind of staying on compliments, you must have took that as a real compliment then if people were comparing you to him. I know he got into his Ireland career quite late. Um, you know, he probably should have been in there earlier and a lot of people were calling from there to be to be in there earlier. But having, I suppose, comparisons with him is, is not always a bad thing, is it? No, no, because, yeah, as I said, he's, he's a very good player. And um, I think 
as I said, we were, we were we were similar in a few things with the way we played the game. So yeah, it was always a compliment to be uh, you know associated with that. Yeah, well, kind of just you're you're I I don't really like talking about you know leg breaks and stuff like that. I think it's um you know it's a it's a horrible thing to be talking about. But um two weeks after your debut, you had your leg broken uh, in a match for Brentford, and you were out for a long time. Like how was that? At the time, did you know? Straight away, it was a break, and okay. you know what was your 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 thoughts at that point? You must have been fearing the worst. Um, yeah, the minute the minute the tackle happened, I knew I knew it was straight away. Just the pain that you get this, that, and the other. I wouldn't want to go too much into it. I'm sure as you you probably spoken to Seamus over when he'd done it. It's yeah, it's a pain that you don't really want to be feeling. But you know, I knew I knew something was wrong. I knew I knew something was wrong, and Everton. You know, to be honest, what came into my mind was just my family. I think it's trying. It wasn't about am I going to play again this time. It was more like it was my family or like are they going to be alright? Because hearing that I've got injured, you know, when it gets reported on Sky, this that and the other that, oh, he's looks like he's gone off with a broken leg. My sister was having a, <laughs> she was having a christening for her daughter, so I had to ring up on that day. They were all celebrating the christening. I had to ring up and tell them that I broke my leg. So that I didn't feel great that I had to do that because. I felt like I was taken away from their kind of day as well. Obviously, you had to. I had to ring to let the family know that I was okay. But that that it. that yeah, that year was a was a proper year of ups and downs because I had the my son was born that year. He was born in October, early early October. Um, I had that. I don't know if you knew that. Obviously, you've seen the issue. I I got issued a warning from the FA for being an asthmatic, which at the time was, you know, was very stressful because that went on from early August till till around May May time the year after. So I had a lot of things. So I was going into every game thinking that if it, is this going to be my last game? Am I going to get banned for being an asthmatic? Which, you know, I won't go too much into, which I thought was ridiculous at the time. Obviously, I pro- I proved my innocence in every way. I did every test that they needed. I proved I was right. So, but that didn't matter. That all happened after I had suffered my broken leg. So, there was a lot of things that were going on at the time, and I would say the one thing that came out of that was I'll never ever be questioned on my mental strength. I don't think anyway. Yeah, well, I, I said to you before we started. You know, I think um, your your wife Emma deserves a lot of praise for you know handling the whole situation with yourself uh, because you know you had to. Two young kids at the time, um, obviously a newborn that can be so stressful anyway. But the fact that you were, you had a broken leg, I'm, I'm sure you were thinking, when am I going to get back as well? Um, but you, you, I know you call her a superwoman, so you, you feel free to give her a shout out there. Yeah, it's just you know what what she had to deal with at the time was um, obviously Jackson was only four or five months old himself then when I broke my leg. She had my daughter, who was a two two year old. Obviously, my family my family came over. They helped. They were over for two three weeks. But obviously, they had to go back. They had to return, going back to you know go back to work. This that and the other. So obviously, she's left looking more or less after three kids. I felt like on her own. <laughs> you know, you like you had you had me up in up in bed. I had my foot up for two weeks. I couldn't move. I was I was in bed for two weeks, as you would be with the recovery. And then like. One time, like she had to put my son on the floor. He was crying because she had to tend to Emily, and I'm sitting there not being able to do anything, and she's running around like a, a mad thing. You know what I mean? So she she took that 
in her stride really and never heard any complaints nothing like the, nothing of the sort and she still does that to the uh, to the, uh, to this day yeah well uh, it, it sounds like um you know she she really took the mantle for you at that point because i don't know other players maybe might not have gone through that or might not have got through that by themselves yeah every, every as i say no injuries the same every player goes through different things you know um you could say players that can get ACL, this, that, and the other players who have family there all the time. And then there's, there's players that literally have nobody there. You know, their only interaction with people would have been going in to do a little bit of rehab and then going back to their house and there's nobody there. So mentally, everybody's in a different situation or, or in different places, I would say. But like, as I, said, I would always take that as an experience of, I'll never forget about it. You know, as I said, I think it's, it's part of me. John Egan, was he at Brentford when you were there? Because he had broken his leg as well. I actually look at the amount of Irish players that I think now have broken their legs. Um, it's frightening. Like there's like about five. Uh, the year I broke my leg, I think there was four. I think there was six, six or seven leg breaks in England at the time. I think five of them were England uh, Irish players. Out of out of all, over the six or seven that had happened, I think there was there was me, you, No Kane, Johnny Hayes. Who else? Is there someone else I'm missing out? James McCarthy broke his leg. Shame. That was broke a bit later leg. on, though. Yeah. Yeah, but that was all within a year. I was from, I was I was a year out, and then Seamus broke his, and then a few a few months later, James broke his. So like, that, I found that weird as well. You weren't the only one who picked up on that. That it was a it was a hell of a lot of Irish players that broke the legs. But yeah, I I played with John and John at um at Brentford, and you know. What a guy! Yeah, no, he's a he's a brilliant guy. He's a great leader, and you now he's a good friend too. Yeah, he's a great lad. He's good banter about him as well. Would he have been in good contact with you, kind of keeping your spirits high at that point? Yeah, come around to the house, this that and the other. Him and his, uh, you know, his, his girlfriend and Scotty would Scotty Hogan come around. I'd have Dougie, Harley Dean. I'd have everybody would come around and see me. Manager would come around and see me. So, you know, I wasn't left. We weren't left to our own really. Well, that's good that you know your teammates would still come and interact with you and stuff like that. And obviously, you had the Irish lads there with Scott and uh, and, and John there as well. Um, well, kind of coming back from the injury, what was uh, what was the feeling like when you were, I suppose, getting near uh, back playing, and then you were kind of getting told, "All right, you're going to be in the squad here." You must have been buzzing at that point because it's like is it two years or nearly two years? Yeah, two years. So I had um, we had one long time in a football leg. career. Yeah, when I first broke my leg, we thought nine months, 12 months. So first time round, the leg didn't fully heal. So I had to have it, uh, say, re-bro- not rebroken, but redone, redone. The minute I had the second operation, I felt like a completely different person. So the closer I was getting back to being fit, like it was just, you know, that extra bit of work, this, that and the other. And then the relief when I came back and I got my first start back for Brentford, it was just everything went so well for me. We won. It was brilliant, and then three weeks later, I was called back into the Irish squad, and then I played against Turkey. It was just, it was just like, I think as I said in one of my things before, it was like the hell and back. It was all worth it, though. Yeah, and that that was uh, we played Turkey away, wasn't it? Yeah, Turkey away. Came on, played about fifteen, uh, ten, fifteen minutes, and just, you know, it was just, I, I loved every minute of it. Well, Scott Hogan made his debut that game, didn't he? Yeah, Scotty made that Hogan. That was the one thing at Brentford that I was 
you know, I was, I missed, I would have loved to play with Scotty at the time because the year I broke my leg, he he came back from his two years, nearly 18 months out himself with his two ACLs. Scotty came back and scored seven and seven. I would have loved to play behind him because of the way he played. I reckon we would have had a good, uh, you know, very good understanding. Yeah, definitely. Like, and the fact, obviously, that he is we're, we're playing at club level, maybe that could have carried on internationally. But unfortunately, the way football is and and whatnot, that that wasn't to be the case. But maybe there'll be uh, opportunities with Ireland in the future, please God. But um, your time then with Brentford, Connie, because you had five years there, um, and then you know Mick coming in as manager. Uh, we'll get through the campaign as well. We'll go tr- quickly through that too. Uh, but just tell me your five years at Brentford before signing for, for Ipswich. Uh, I imagine you've you've great things to say about the club. Yeah, um, I'm happy happy to come out of there saying I've had I've got a lot more good memories than I do bad memories. And you know I'm ever you know grateful for that place. I got a promotion. I got to play for Ireland. I've had loads of good times there. Yeah, it was. Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant time in my career, to be honest. Yeah, well, it's nice when you can leave somewhere with your head held high and there's no you know, no bad feelings leaving the club. And I think that's always the best way to leave is when you can go somewhere. So, uh, great times there, but just uh, the, the way things are, you just kind of slowly move on then. That was the thing. When I, when I, when I broke my leg, um, you know, I was supposed to move in the summer. Uh my contract was up. We, we renegotiated a new contract. They stayed. They looked after me. Brilliant, you know. The only thing is, I, like, I just wish I could have played a bit more for them on my comeback. You know, I've seen players come back and they get, they got, they, they get a bit more time. They get chance to come back in, and you know. But I understood with the way Brentford were going, they were going up and up, and you know, uh, I just didn't fit the mould at that time, like I did a few years before, and that's that was fine by me, you know, because. As I said, I enjoyed my time there a lot. Yeah, well, John Egan actually said that about you know when you're talking about the the year pre uh, the few years previous, they had a a real kind of identity of bringing in technical players and working with technical players. He made that a point that they that was the direction that the club were going at the time. Um, so you obviously a key part of that at the time before you got injured. Yeah, no, as you say, I, I was part of those building blocks onto what they're doing now. Yeah, so you can always look back and say you played your part as well. So you both played a part with each other, I think. Yeah, exactly. Well, kind of, you were still at Brentford when you got in mixed squad, I'm sure, yeah? Uh, no, actually, I was at uh, Ipswich. Oh, alone. I'd gone back to Ips. Yeah, I'd gone back to, um, I'd gone to Ipswich. Uh, it, it wasn't alone. It was actually an eight month, 18-month contract at the, the initial time I signed. Um. So I went there. Mick spoke oh, to me was, when he yeah, took sorry. over. Yeah, Mick spoke to me when he took over. He says, "Look, I know you haven't been in the squad because you haven't been playing. You get back playing, you do well. I'm coming to watch you." And you know, my first my first six months at Ipswich were great. I know we got relegated, but for me personally, with the way I was performing, it got me back into the Irish team. Ipswich got me back playing, so you know, be grateful there as well. Well, I I remember you know. You're getting your opportunity then. I think it was the was it the Denmark game. You you played before that though. Yeah, we played um, the summer before. We played against USA and France. Sorry, yeah, I'm I'm going yeah. way off. Sorry. Uh, well, no, that's actually what I wanted to uh, to talk to you about. Um, uh, sorry, I jumped the gun a little bit there. No, um, no. that was under Martin and Roy. That was uh, that was uh, John O'Shea's last game, wasn't it? 
Uh, was actually yeah, it was yeah, it was. There was a yes, testimonial kind of testimonial. Yeah, yeah, that was his last game. We played, I think, played France a few days before. You know, to get the yeah. to get on the pitch to play against some of those players were you know it was unbelievable. And then the America game, I came on. I think I came on for five minutes or whatever, and then I managed to nick a goal. Jimmy, Jimmy keeps telling me that he set me up or that I robbed it off him, but I told him he wouldn't have finished that anyway. <laughs> it was a cracking finish, but like I, the thing I loved about it the most was you, you could see how much it meant to you. And as you said, the hell and back, and just seeing the relief in you and the celebration. I know it was a friendly, but that for me that doesn't matter. It's going for your country doesn't happen every day, and that celebration and that picture of you like that, you know, it's it's beautiful to see. Yeah, because to be honest with me, uh, to me, it didn't. Uh, I, I couldn't care less that it was a friendly. It would, that was just, I think, as people could see, probably an emotion of everything that had happened. I hadn't been playing. I hadn't been playing at Brentford. I got drafted into the Irish squad because someone pulled out, not really expecting to play. I scored. I know it was just a friendly. You know, people would say that, but not many people can say that they scored for the country. And that's what I was thinking at the time. And if my Irish career was to finish then because of the way injuries were at the time, and I was coming back, I wasn't. I wasn't playing week in, week out. I would have been like, that's fine. Not many people can say that they scored for the country. Although it'd be people might just say it's just a friendly. I think you've had lads on here and they tell you how much it means to play for the country. Yeah, no, 100%. And, and they value their Ireland debut more than their actual professional debut. A lot of them, uh, well, actually pretty much all of them have said it. And I would back that up as well. Yeah. So... Just yeah, I just kind of I'm I'm bringing my mind back to that time. But did you foresee when you you know got not to touch on it too much, but your leg break from there? Did you envision seeing yourself scoring at the Aviva? To be honest with you, at that time you're just I would never I never set that I not set dates. I would never think I can do this. I can do it. I always like always just taking it month by month, month by month. Small you know goals, what I mean? small goals. Because the last thing you want to do was thinking. I broke my leg. I'll be back to the way I was playing. No problem. Because it doesn't work like that. Everything else has to, you know, speed up fitness, your your legs, you're more you're more prone to injuries. Just everything comes into into account there. So I would always be one that would just take a month by month because if I set myself a day, I'd never you'd you'd be upset more than you <laughs> than you'd be happy if you didn't reach those dates, you know. Yeah, well, John had actually said about setting small uh, small goals as well when he had the leg break as well, because he, he obviously has gone on to be, you know, one of our main centre backs now as well. So he had setbacks yeah. like you, you and and is in there now. Um, well, kind of just kind of because I did jump up, jump the gun a bit. So on the Ipswich, then you're getting back in, into the squad under Mick. Um, so from from that point of view, you wanted obviously get back in the first team to be back in the frame with Ireland, I'm sure, yeah. as well as playing for yourself. So the Ipswich move probably came at a, a good time for you. Yeah, it did. And I got I got 19, 20 games on the bounce without fail, playing 90 minutes every week. It was Yeah, it was great. Obviously, I know the team, we got relegated. I think it was, it, it was funny at Ipswich because uh, we hardly lost when from January on, we hardly lost. We drew a ridiculous amount of games. I think we drew nine games in a row, like one all and nil all. You know, so if we could have turned some of them into. I know it's a long shot. The damage was done. I think from September to uh, to January, the damage was done. Or September to October, they they hadn't won for a while. Sometimes that happens when a new manager comes in. I think it was Paul Hurst at the time. Uh, 
so anyway, um, yeah, so I was, I was, me personally, I was enjoying my time. I was thinking playing football every week. I'm back in the Irish team. I know we got relegated, but I was, I was really enjoying my time. Yeah, because we we were in then was it was March then Mick came in for his first game was at uh, Gibraltar away and then Georgia at home. Yeah, yeah, he came in and you know I got called in the squad and I imagine a few. Uh, I think I do remember a few people questioning why I was brought back in this that and the other. But you get you'll get that and you know I knew from years ago that Mick has always liked me. But Mick wasn't just going to pick me because he liked me. I had to be playing well and I think he. he you know, he proved that as well with some of his, his squad selections. He picked players on, you know, their form as well. Yeah, well, see, uh, kind of leading off from that, do we play Denmark in May or June? Um, well, we played them near anyway this summer, that, that game where we drew 1-1. And you came off the bench in that game and were really, really effective against that Denmark team where we're losing 1-0. Uh, you came on, made the difference, got the assists. Um what was it like coming on in that game and changing the game? What did Mick say to you? <laughs> to be honest, Mick just turned around and said, Judge, you just get warmed up. Um, I, had, I had really had a good a good training camp. We had trained for three weeks before that. I was flying. I was, in, I was in great shape at the time after coming back. And I had that funny feeling myself that he might he, he might turn to me, you know, because there was other big players on the bench that he could have picked from. And, you know, I'm pretty, pretty sure some people probably think, why is he picking... Why is he oh, bringing on Judy or whatever? Some people think like that. But, yeah, to get on and just... That was my first competitive uh, match as well, which I got told after the game. So, which was crazy. I'd been in and around it for four or five years and that was my first competitive game. You know, for, they scored. And if I remember correctly, I think they, uh, it seems like their player ran off the back of me and he nicked it just in front of uh, in front of Kesey. And I was just like, oh, no, I'm after coming on and... Lucky enough, I, I felt like I was able to make amends and, you know, you put the ball anywhere in the air and you have Big Duff coming towards it. It's only going one place, really. Yeah, but towards the end of that game, um, you know, we looked like we could, we could have went on and, and got the winner. Unfortunately, we didn't, but um, you ended up getting injured in that game and it was just very unfortunate because you were really starting to kind of, you, know, you said it was your first competitive game, but, you, you know, people were actually calling for you to be playing the next game because you, you changed the game in our favour. It was just one of those unlucky things again. A, a ball broke. Jeff played me in, and I I went for it. I probably didn't need to go for it, but like we we were on the ascendancy at the time. We were playing a bit of decent football, and I went for it. And to be honest with you, I think the Denmark player let me know, and just he he shoved me when he didn't need to. So I'd gone to cross the ball. He hit me in the chest. I fell back, and I could fall that way a million times and do nothing to my wrist. But the minute I fell, I knew it broke. I could hear a crunch, and that was that. Yeah, it was unfortunate though because, as I said, you know, you were really and I remember making the press conference just saying, you know, it's a, it's a shame because you and he said you were going to start the next game. Yeah, the gaffer said if I didn't have any, if I didn't have bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that was that was again that was a bittersweet moment. It was, you know, uh, it was one of those things I'm feeling like oh, I could play the next game. I'm, I feel like I'm in here. You know what I mean? I could get a chance, and then you know, again, clicking the fingers, it's. It is what it is. That's what happens. I'll never, I'll never, um, what's the word, stay on that moment. I'll always go on and go on to the next one. Yeah. Well, just going to, because I, I have you nearly over an hour now. So we're kind of leading off the back of that, you know, at that stage you would have been, after that Denmark game, I imagine you would have been out then until pre-season and coming back in. But kind of, 
just in regards to the, the, the campaign itself, I mean, there were some good results in there, you know, especially, I always say it, um, because people, people, I think they, people give Mick a hard time. I think he, he got the crowd back with the players. And I think that connection towards the back end of Martin O'Neill's uh, area, I don't think it was quite what it should have been. Um, obviously, Martin and Roy had, had, had great times. But towards the end, it kind of soured a little bit. And then when Mick came in, I think he, he, he brought that back and there was a bit more of a buzz uh, between the crowd and the players. And I think the players got a lift out of it too because it was something fresh too, you know? Yeah, uh, def- definitely the, the Switzerland game. Because um, I remember I was I was part of the squad when um, Longy scored the goal against Germany. I was... I was beside. I wasn't. I was. I didn't make the squad. I was, you know, sitting beside Moiler. Moiler, I think, was injured at the time. And when Longy scored that goal, I've never. The noise was just unbelievable. I've never witnessed. I've never heard that like that before. And then fast forward to the Switzerland game when Deedzy scored that goal. It was just. And to be on the pitch personally, oh, it was unbelievable. It was just the noise was incredible. And you know, yeah. I have to say the the crowd, yeah, the crowd that night was unbelievable. And then the Denmark game, even though you know we didn't get to qualify for yours, the crowd was unbelievable. The tension in the air, the great, um, it was brilliant. And the thing is, you know, I don't really remember Denmark having too many chances. I thought we 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 played really well that night. People saying that we can't thought, raise our game I, and stuff. I thought the lads were brilliant that night. I thought they were, they were great. You know, I was I thought they were brilliant. Yeah, and and uh, but just to kind of stay on the Switzerland game, you know, Mick always seemed to you know have you in and around there, you know, bringing you in when he when he could, and always seemed to bring you on when he wanted to change the game. So that was a serious compliment towards you, I feel. Yeah, it was. It was like the fact that he felt I could change the game, uh, not change the game. I could add to the game, and I think under Mick, I was lucky enough when he did bring me on. I did. I felt like I added a little bit to the team, and like uh, most players, kind of you know want to feel like that and just yeah it was it was it was always nice to know that I, I was always one of the players in his mind that he was going to turn to you know I wasn't a starter under me but I owe him a lot yeah well obviously because of the coronavirus and stuff like that he's obviously no longer the manager but I think um for your own sake um the playoffs has been kind of pushed back till next year so I think that's a better opportunity for yourself because uh, you know I think you if you were fit and we say won the playoffs, um, I think you would have been in the squad. I think Mick would have had you in the squad either way. But uh, I think it's an opportunity for you now, uh, next year, I suppose, something for an incentive for you to get back in the squad under Stephen Kenny. Yeah, of course. Um, you you always want to aim for something, and that's it. You know, I definitely want to aim for that because I feel like, as I said, this campaign I've been part of it. Two two thousand sixteen was a bit different. I was on the edges of it. I was on the you know the fringes of things. Uh, this this campaign, I felt like I've been in it, like been part of it. You know, because uh, I've been I've played a bit. You know, so uh, you know Steve uh, Steve Kenny's coming in. You know, he might he'll have his own ideas, and we'll just have to see what happens really. But hopefully, as I said, I feel like when I have played for Ireland, I don't think I've let us down. I feel like I've 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 been I've done all right. I've done well, and uh, if I ever get to play or if we get to play more games, I'll always turn up. Well, this is it. And just in regards um, Ipswich, obviously um, you, you're not going to be able to play for the rest of the season because you're injured. So hopefully you can come straight in pre-season and hit the ground running and get a good, a good run then under your belt for uh, for next season when when the season starts back up again. I don't. I'm not, well, we can't really discuss 
the season because we don't know what's going to happen. But I'm, I'm thinking more next season, if that makes sense. Yeah, because um, I learned from my uh, wrist break in the summer. I came back too early from it. I wasn't fit enough. I I went on the pre-season tour with the lads when I probably shouldn't have. I should have probably had another week or two rest. I, I went back running after two, three weeks of the broken wrist. And I didn't get fit really till this December. And no, so I'll be definitely... I'll be taking this with more caution uh, coming back from this injury. I won't rush myself back because my, my fear back then when I broke my wrist was I don't want to miss any games for Ireland. I don't want to miss any games for Ipswich because I've always I have that tag over my head saying he's always injured. Yeah, is that something so that was, you kind of? Oh, sorry, go on. So it, it, it's a like a, it's a more or less a determination thing. I wanted to you know I wanted to keep proving people wrong and you know. You don't you you don't want to be labelled as an injury prone player. Yeah, I think that's an Irish thing as well, though. Just to, you know, proving people wrong. Conor Heron spoke about it as well. You know that uh, it, well, he had a fear of failure. He didn't he didn't want people, so he was determined to prove people wrong. Obviously, you you've that tag that you said there. But uh, you know, if you're hitting the ground running pre season and coming into September, October, November, there's going to be games with Ireland there, and hopefully you're in the squad for them. Yeah, th- yeah. Definitely. Obviously, Stephen, will, he'll look back on other matches. As I said, he'll have his own de- own ideas. He has younger players coming in, um, younger players emerging who are doing very well. So we'll just, we'll just have to wait and see it. But I can only control what I can control, and that's me making sure I'm fit, I'm playing this, that and the other, you know? Yeah, 100%. Well, I'm just going to finish off with, with a fan's question, and then I'll let you go because you've been very generous with your time. Yeah, no problem. Hi Alan, my name's Luke. I was just wondering uh, who's the hardest player you've played against for uh, while playing for Ireland? So I would say playing against it would probably be as if it's coming up against your opponent would be probably Rodriguez who plays for Switzerland, the left back. I've come up against him twice now and I remember my debut, he was just he was just all over me. <laughs> you know, it's just it, that intensity and yeah, so I'll probably go for Rodriguez. Obviously, I remember play, we played against uh, Switzerland as well. Shaka, I remember I watched him a few times. He doesn't, he doesn't give the ball away. He, he literally doesn't give the ball away. I know he takes a lot of stick in England for his tackling and stuff like that, but I don't think I've ever seen him give the ball away. And then you'd have the likes of Eriksson. It was at, you know, in Denmark. But direct opponents, I would say, would probably be Rodriguez. Yeah, well, you know, it's no doubt how highly rated he was in Europe for, for so long. Still probably is. He, that left foot as well that yeah. he has. He's a quality player. I think that uh, Switzerland team, you know, Shane Duffy had said it to me before, but I think they're very underrated. Like, I don't think people realise how good a side they actually are. They're always qualifying for tournaments as well. Yeah, because uh, that, that year, the 2016, people were looking at their team thinking that they could, you know, go really far in, in, in the Euros that year. And I, if I remember correctly, I don't think they really, they didn't do too well. I'm not, I'm not really sure. But I've always found Switzerland when I've watched them, especially when the lads played against them in their place. I thought yeah, they're very hard to play against. They're very well organised, move the ball well. You know, as a, I think as any international team, the, the standard of international football is is completely different to um, what I would say championship and etc. Yeah, but I think a lot of them have played together at club level as well, which obviously helps when you play at club level yeah. and you're, you're bringing that to inter, uh, international because you got to train together. They know each other's game a lot more, you know, as well. Yeah, yeah, and you don't have to build up relationships. 
Yeah. Well, Alan, I'm going to uh, leave it at that. You've been very, very kind with your time, and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I hope you, you recover from your injuries uh, as, as quick as possible, and I hope to see you on a pitch soon. Yeah, I'll be soon enough. Hopefully, it'll be in the next few months when this is all over with. Well, please, God, and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll get you on again when you're back playing and uh, we'll be able to talk about um, you being back in the Ireland squad. Please, God. Sure, no problem. Thanks. All right, thanks very much, Alan. And uh, don't forget to like this video and don't forget to subscribe if you're watching and leave your thoughts in the comments and if you have anything to ask, Alan, find them on social media. We'll have a socials underneath the same as well. Thanks for watching and we'll speak to you soon.